Amen. Well, uh, welcome to our Wednesday midweek service. Uh, last week we opened up starting, starting to talk about uh, faith, uh, well, actually our faith fortress, really just talking about being in the presence of God and the benefits of staying in the presence of God. We opened up last week just talking about how God has dealt us a measure of faith and you know, we want to live by that particular faith and how Jesus was telling Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I pray that your faith fails not, that, that he doesn't break down your faith. And so then we talked about, well, how do we, how, how do we stand in the midst of that attack of the enemy? How do we stay in faith? And again, you know, we, we deducted that uh, our it's best that we stay within the boundaries of God's protection um, in the presence, in his presence, presence is fullness of joy, right hand, pleasures forevermore. We talked about that last week in Luke 16. And so, and, and so we, we came up with, or, or God gave us, um, it's a benefit for us to, to maintain or stay within a faith fortress. So, so it's not, um, it's not an option for us to be off course or being outside the outside of God's boundaries of protection. You know, uh, the scripture says, when I was a child, spake as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child, establishing boundaries. You know, children have no boundaries in how they think. They have no boundaries in how they understand. They have no boundaries in even what they say. They just say anything. But as we mature, we should... Uh, begin to establish boundaries, not as, uh, as we talked about, as, as a, uh, a punishment, but protecting uh, all that God has uh, put in our life. In, in particular, that faith <laughs> that Satan is trying to break down or sift as we. And so there's benefits, uh, there's benefits to staying in or, or establishing boundaries, staying in harmony with your de uh, design and purpose. Let's go to Romans 8, a familiar scripture, Romans 8. And we'll lock in here at verse uh, 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good to them, number one, that love God, to them who are called according to, around here we talk about it a lot, in harmony with his purpose. So we're staying lockstep in harmony with God's purpose. There's a level of confidence that we have and there's a level of faith that we're charged with because we know all things will work together for our good. And I know people quote the scripture and skip the in harmony with his purpose part or according to his purpose. Right, and then if you drop down here, verse 31, it says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Right, and if you're in harmony with his purpose, he's always for you because you're um, fulfilling your design. And so this was the challenge, or this is the challenge that was created with Adam and Eve. Let's go over here to Genesis 3. Because God set him on the earth realm to start out his divine plan and purpose. And it wasn't just about his purpose. It was just about his love for them. So he gave them everything they need. <laughs> just like us, he's given us everything we need, you know. But the adversary has a way of having us question us having all that we need. The adversary's probably number one uh, intro is, you sure that's enough? That's probably not enough. That's not going to be enough. <laughs> so he just needs to start to, the questioning in our mind. The adversary needs to get us to start questioning in our mind that, that all that we have is enough. And once, we, once we question if we have enough, then he conveniently has options, <laughs> right? But he has to get you interested in considering something outside of all that God has given you. 
right? That's, that's, a, that's a part of the trick. You know, people that want to manipulate you and divide you when you're on momentum in a row, they, they'll offer a question. What do you think about that? Just they need you to start questioning your flow and, and, or definitely questioning yourself, right? And so this is what took place here, uh, Genesis chapter 3. So again, they, they're already in a faith fortress. They, they, they rolling. They're doing good. You know, they have everything they need. But the adversary is trying to figure a way out, okay, they, they're in that holy hedge. I got to figure out a way to get them out of it. Genesis 3, starting with verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, has God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So now he just start, he started, he, he presented something to get her engaged. <laughs> and he, he selected the topic of discussion. <laughs> he like, he says every tree of God. So the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Come on, you believe that? <laughs> you know, that's what people do in life. You believe that? <laughs> you're going, you're all right. Man, that's kind of far-fetched. Verse 5. For God does know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then look, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So now he's offering her something that, uh, right, a consideration is if she needed more than what God had already given her, right? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, saw, she saw with her eyes, right? And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree, look, it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes. And the tree desired to make one wise. She took the fruit, you know, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It says, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. Now they're looking at themselves. They're focused on themselves. And they sewed uh, fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, right? And they heard the voice of the Lord uh, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves from the presence of God. Now, remember, it's, it's important for us to stay within our faith fortress in the presence of God. They're hiding from the very thing that's going to keep them from having their faith uh, evaporated or sifted from them. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Right? So this was a question where he was trying to awaken him. Like, do you realize you're out, you're out of my presence? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. God's probably like, we talk all the time, so why are you afraid now? So... Why is even fear an option? He says, because I was naked, I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree thereof? I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. And the man said, the woman. So now we start blank, the blame game, right? You know, uh, no accountability. The woman whom thou gavest me to be, who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And then, of course, you know, Eve blamed the adversary. And so the interesting thing here is they had everything they need. They were in God's presence wanting for nothing. The adversary tried to get them to question that what they had was enough. That's his thing all the time. You sure you got enough? Um, you sure you don't need more? And then once you start to question what you have, now you're going to consider some of his options. And so his whole thing was, I have to figure out a way to get them out of the presence of God. As long as they're in the presence of God, I can't do nothing with them. Their faith is going to be at the ultimate level. And the reason why I can't do nothing with them, because they can see me. Outside of the presence of God, I can present myself in a way where they really can't see me. See, subtlety or, or trickery is it can only have any type of uh, influence 
if we're outside of the presence of God. But we have the lenses of faith. We see right through it. Our discernment is at its sharpest ability. So that's why we have to stay within that faith fortress. And so the, when we was talking about when I was a child, spake as a child, thought as a child, understood as a child, and how when you become a man, you start to establish boundaries for your thinking, for your understanding, and your speaking, what you're doing is you're making sure you don't de- decree or declare anything that's going to pull you out of the presence of God. You're making th- sure you don't allow things in your mind that will have you start to question uh, being in the presence of God or, or staying or, or waiting on the Lord, being of good courage so he can strengthen your heart. You're making sure you don't, even if you invest in, in learning and understanding, you don't take in something that's going to uh, cause confusion to you really clearly uh, seeing clearly God in every aspect of your life. And so the scripture says something else. Let's go to Proverbs 29. Again, we're talking about faith fortress, staying in God's uh, boundaries of blessing, God's holy hedge, God's faith fortress. But uh, Proverbs 29, which I think is it's a wonderful scripture, it's a familiar scripture. Uh, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. It says, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Right? Now, um, another version says where there's no vision, uh, no redemptive revelation, people cast off restraint. So, so, so in other words, once again, outside of the faith fortress, when people can't see God, it's easy for them to go outside the lines, but they see, see when I'm in God's presence, I'm, oh, whoa, whoa, that's going to take me out of God's presence. I can't do that. Whoa, 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 that's going to take me out of the presence of God. I can't do that. Whoa, that's going to just take away this peace I got. I can't do that. Right? And so, so there's something, like we were talking about the electric fences that they do uh, for, for, for animals. There's something that, 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 that shocks us anytime we're outside of the presence of God. Now, in our culture, we call that conviction. <laughs> right? The conviction says, whoa, 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 that's nice, I can't do that. And people may offer you some wonderful things, great opportunities, but something on your inner man says, this is going to take me out of the presence of God. This is going to take me out of harmony with his purpose. Remember, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord are called according to in harmony with his purpose. This is going to take me out of God's purpose and plan. I can't do this. It's so, so it may be, a, a, it may be a, an opportunity but it's not a purpose. So I have to make purpose decisions, not opportunity decisions, because that's going to keep me in God's presence. That'll keep me in a faith fortress, and that'll keep me in peace, right? Because I'm in his presence, presence full of his joy, right-hand pleasures forevermore, like we talked about last week in Psalm 16, verse 11, right? So where there's no, no redemptive revelation or vision, people cast off restraint because they really can't see clearly to God. See, the thing about vision, vision is powerful. Vision creates boundaries of protection. Vision establishes restraint. So, so Lord gives you a vision. This is the vision, you know, especially in a household. God gives you a vision. As soon as God gives you the vision, I guarantee you opportunities will come up. Right? Opportunities, as soon as he gives you a vision, opportunities will come up. And the thing is, God, is, God, is, God wants to see do you, do you believe me? But sometimes we'll jump at opportunities, but they're, they're diversions from, because the adversary is trying to offer bribes. He's hoping we take the bribe, we don't stay locked in on the vision. So we can do a lot of uh, good things, they're just not best things, right? And then you, 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 you wonder, I don't understand why, what's going on, why is this happening? Because God is saying, you lost sight of me. You didn't stay within the boundaries. You know, this vision should have, this vision gave you the restraints. You know, they build, um, the last church was that they built a 66,000 square foot building. And so they had an architect and they, um, they had blueprints. And the blueprints have, have you know, Marcus is into this. Uh, uh, what is it? Is it graphics? Graphic design? Okay, so, so, you know, that's his background in school. And the interesting thing is you have all these 
boundaries on this, on this blueprint. Is that correct, Marcus? All right. So, so and, 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 okay, we just keep it simple. Without, like, a big structure, you're building a house. Remove the blueprint. You can make a, right, make a mistake. You could put the plumbing on one side of the house and the sink on the other side. So, but when you have the, 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 the blueprints, it limits what you could do. It tells you, no, you can't do that. That can't go over there because it has to connect to the, the plumbing. So if you, kind of, if, if you go to our house, we have these bathrooms. It's, it's four bathrooms, right? So, so for me, it's always intriguing how the plumbing works. So sometimes you think you're on another side of the house. You're really not. You're just upstairs and the way everything winds. And if you really pay attention, all the plumbing is connected. But the way it's configured, it looks like you're in different places, right? But they knew when they designed it that these pipes had to go here. But pipes didn't complain. The, the contractors didn't complain. Nobody complained about the boundaries. They understood that it's, it's protecting us from having leaks. It's protecting us from things not flowing well in the house. It keeps everything flowing. It's the same thing in your life. That's why when the scripture says God declared the end from the beginning, that's a blueprint statement. I declared the end from the beginning. I already blueprinted it out. I need you guys to, uh, Matthew 7, uh, 7, 13, to, to follow the narrow way. Stay within the boundaries. That's where all your, your, your uh, pleasures forevermore is, right? Within the boundaries, within the face of fortress, right? So Psalm 27, let's go over there real quick. Anybody want to quote it? Psalm 20. Yeah. You know, it's one of those chapters like Psalm 23. As you grow up and you Sunday school class, you, 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 well, my bad, I guess. Maybe they don't do that no more. <laughs> yeah. You know, Lord is my life, my salvation, whom shall feel. Lord is strength. You know, like you, it's, it's one of those. All right, so let's, let's do verse 4. Verse 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. That Look, look, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. How many days? All the days of my life. Look, to behold the beauty of the Lord and acquire, inquire his temple. Like, like, so I'm going to stay in my faith fortress all the days of my life. Right? Isn't that? It's right there, right? Look, look, look. Then, then he, 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 he turned it up a notch. He's, verse 5. It says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Nothing can touch me because I'm in my faith fortress, Right? It says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Look at verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me in a plain path, not all over the place, because of my enemies. Verse 13 is my favorite scripture. I have fainted. I would have given up is what that says, unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord. Where? In the land of living. Didn't say when we get to heaven, right? This is talking about now. But look at the progression. He stayed within the tabernacle. He stayed in the faith fortress. He stayed in his presence. Let's go back to Genesis, Genesis 12. Because Abraham is called what? The father of our faith, right? Okay, that's <laughs> Class participation. <laughs> Look, yeah, well, if you stop assuming that the questions that you ask, everybody knows, then you get more participation, Pastor Keith. Okay, my bad. I apologize. All right, so Genesis 12. It says, look, look, now this is God. He, got, he has Abraham. Abraham's locked in. Abraham been, had been complying his whole life. Abraham, you know, you know, when his father died, he was taking care of the family. Uh, when his now, when his father, his father was dying, he was taking care of his father. His brother died. He took care of his brother's son, Lot. I got you. Don't worry about it. So Abraham, if you could use your imagination, Abraham's like this. When Abraham shows up, 
hey, what's up, Abe? Hey, man, what's happening? How you doing? Hey, man. Because Abraham is the guy that's doing everything for everybody. Hey, I was thinking about, you know, building a tent over here. Well, you don't want to build a tent over in that area. You probably want to build it over there because you have better high ground and then your support for your post to be better. Thanks, Abe, man. You're a great man. So that's how Abe was the guy. And if somebody needs to get something done, ask Abe. No, I'll do it. I got you. I got you. I'll figure out a way to get it done, but I got you. Very compliant is how Abraham was, right? And then you go over here in, 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 in chapter 12, you know, because God loves, loves Abraham now. He's like, man, let's do this, man. He's handling his business. And if I don't show up, Abraham's going to be operating on the same default for the rest of his life. So he says, now the Lord has said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Look, and I will make thee a great nation, a great people, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken. Right? It says Abraham was about 75 years old uh, when he departed out of Haran. Haran means place of familiar. Right? So the interesting thing is he told him to go to a particular place. And so what he was saying is, uh, you know, I've studied this out in the Kamash. He was saying, Abraham, go for yourself. You've been faithful and, and, and compliant. Now I want to bless you. But I'm not going to be able to bless you if you stay in familiar because you're going to operate on your default. You're going to keep doing the things that you've always done because your thirst or your, what quenches your thirst is, I'm there for everybody. Well, now I need you to be there for the purpose that I designed you for. That's what I need you to be there for. Now, what's going to happen is your, your fasting is going to be sometimes you're not going to be there for them, but you'll be there for me. And eventually you're going to Return to being there for them because you're going to break through to a certain level and then you're going to, they're going to see that they can break through to another level, right? So, so, so they're going to recognize, wait a minute, I, he's giving me everything I need. I don't, I, I, I don't have to depend on Abraham no more. I, I have something in me, right? So I need you to, to, to take it to another level. So, 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 but there's a fortress, there's a place for me to establish this greatness, right? And so I need you to position yourself in that place. Now, if you, you go through the story, he was moving towards what God told him, and like his dad and everybody else did, uh, he stopped off in Egypt, which represents the place of bondage. God, I tell you to go there. Where did I tell you to go? Then he said, leave your brother and your kindred. He took Lot, because that was his default. And, and eventually they had to separate. As soon as they separated, Go over here to chapter 13, uh, verse 1. It says, And Abraham went up out of Egypt, out of the place of bondage, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him <laughs> into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And then him and his uh, lot's people and his people started to strive. So, so Abraham was like, man, just, just pick where you want to go. I'll just go to the other place. So, you know, Lot picked Sodom because he th it looked prosperous, <laughs> right? So he said, I go to Sodom, man. It looked like they paid over there. So he goes to Sodom, and Abraham started to go to another level, even from Genesis 13. You start reading through Genesis 15. I don't want to go through the whole story. But, but again, he, 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 he was obedient to go to the place, but he took, uh, if I could put it this way, he took some kryptonite with him, and that was Lot. So that was going to taint his ability to do what God uh, has for him. Because there's a place, uh, God says this, there's a place where my presence will meet you. There's a faith fortress for all of us. And when we're obedient to where God tells us to do um, and what God tells us to do, sometimes we're at a, we're operating in business. God says, I want you to do this over here. So, so I'll just use me. So I was, I was working for, uh, working in juvenile corrections, uh, maximum security. So you have to take certifications. So I took all the certifications. And the thing is, when you're working for the state, you want to be certified because, be honest, 
I, I keep saying this, somebody's probably watching, like, you know, well, I got fired. You did some crazy stuff. Uh, but you really can't be fired. I mean, like, you got to be a, wow. <laughs> I just use your imagination because, you know, somebody might be watching, like, what you trying to say? Uh, but you really got to do something crazy. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and, 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 but you can, you, can, you can make mistakes, you can, you can not follow the protocol, and you can be suspended. And you had a lot of guys, they would, they would make you sweat. They suspend you for six months. Uh, you couldn't get paid during that, but then you would come back and get your back pay. But then even when you got your back pay, it's not the money you would have made along the way because now you're being taxed on a, on a larger sum. So it was almost like a, like a stretching punishment. Um, so God tells me to leave this job. And I'm, it's, I'm secure. I'm chilling. To be honest with you, I'm chilling. And I was like, you want me to leave the job? <laughs> All right, okay. So, I, so I'm skipping something, but I left the job because God was trying to shift me to his, his faith fortress. And so then I, so what I did was I took on another job. So then the church asked me to, to work for the church part-time at first. Then they asked me to work full-time. And so when I told the job, I said, well, my church has to work full-time, so I'm going to have to go. He says, no, 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 oh, okay. So, okay, I know you can't do groups no more. I used to do uh, positive field culture groups. Or, and he says, you can't, I know you can't do those no more, but could you still do the training? I trained behavior modification and crisis intervention. And so I said, sure. I didn't ask God. I said, sure, because I was like, this is like cake. You know, three days a month, train all their new staff getting easy money, plus, you know, it could supplement me working for the church, you know, which was less money than I was making. And so, uh, God woke me up 4.30 in the morning and said, okay, I need you to leave the other job altogether. I'm like, but why? It's easy. He said, no, 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 no. I have you in a faith fortress at the, the job that I told you to take. You're holding on to the other job that's bleeding into what, what I'm trying to work here. I need you all in where I told you to go. So I left the job. You know, and, and the thing is, I, I released it. it. It was supplemented income, but we never missed a beat. In my mind, I thought I needed that additional income, but we never missed a beat. God, God had a particular plan for us. You know, I know I probably could have used coming out here, but, but I thought that that was uh, suitable. So God's trying to get us into a faith fortress. So we have to be accurate, accurate in our choices and our decisions. See, the, 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 the adversary is always trying to, to take that high ground from us. You know, so James is in the military, so you know, is, you know the, the value of the high ground. I, I, I don't know. I, I, of course, I'm a movie guy. I don't know how accurate movies are, but uh, was it called Last Castle? No, not Last Castle. That was a good one, too, but what was this movie? All I know is it was, uh, I know, I think, I think Mel Gibson was in this movie, and, and the, in the movie, it was like, you can't, like, you, you can't leave nobody left behind, and like, at the end of the movie, show like, the last boot on the ground was his before the helicopter went off. But I noticed, like, they, was, uh, they were trying to, the enemy was always trying to get the high ground in the movie. And, and, and they would, like, uh, yeah, uh, send the coordinates so the, the battleships would advance, you know, bomb the area and they could advance the troops. Um, but it was all about the high ground. And, and just like the, the, in the military or if you watch the spy movies, they're trying to get to the safe house or they're trying to get to the next fort. You know, God is trying to give us coordinates to get to our safe house and our next fort, our, our faith fortress. He's always, like, because sometimes we, we, get, we get out there without our help, and we need help. And God's like, okay, just follow this next step from here. But, he, but, but, but something in us is, what about this? What about this? You ever watch the movies where somebody's saying, okay, get to the safe house, and the person's standing there talking? Like, you got time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just keep moving. Because I, when I watch the movies, I was like, okay, he just said, Jay, had no time. <laughs> like, why, why are you talking? Oh, oh my God, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to die if we stay here. Let's just keep moving, you know. And I think, you know, uh, we talk about quick recognition. I think if we can recognize 
and really tune in to God, hear God, and just, just keep taking these steps, we'll find ourselves in our next uh, safe place. You know, the scripture talks about God being a strong tower. Uh, I'll just give you the scriptures, Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 10, like a strong tower. And now, now why do we need this strong tower, this faith fortress? Because the, 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 uh, the adversary is doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to find those that are out there. Who's out there unprotected? So I don't recommend what I'm about to say, but, you know, I, you know, I was growing up. I, I didn't make all the best moves in the world. And I say I don't re- recommend it because, you know, it's, it's probably not the best, necessarily the best thing to do, but I pledge the fraternity, okay? And so this is the rule. You always have to stay together, at least two of you. Never find yourself, never, never get caught alone. So who do you think got caught alone? <laughs> I was always, and, 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 and one, one day the guy was sweet because I had a roommate that didn't pledge. We were just talking about this uh, uh, recently. And so the guy was knocking on my door. So I'm, I'm, by, I'm by myself, so I'm not out on the campus. I'm in the room. And so the guy, I hear the guy outside. He said, hey, uh, uh, my friend, Luce. So he said, hey, Luce. He says, uh, he says, man, you got a phone in your room, right? He said, yeah, can I use your phone? And I'm like, I'm on the other side of the door, like, please do not let this guy use the phone. He really didn't want to use the phone. He just knew I was in there. And so he opens the door, gotcha. And, the, you know, the way the protocol was, he, he got me by myself, so I had to go with him. And that was a bad night for me. Um, and, 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 but, but this is the thing. It's bad nights for us when we get caught out there outside of the presence of God, outside of the, 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 the people of God, right? It's, it's a bad day for us, right? And <laughs> that's why the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, right? Genesis uh, 2.18, right? And so, so the adversary is seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking for somebody that's overconfident enough to be outside of their faith fortress. He's hoping we're overconfident. David said, keep me from presumptuous sin. David, David's the man, right? He was like, listen, (laughs) I can can picture David's life growing like, as things started to roll, it's kind of like, man, it just seemed like everything I touch is phenomenal. But his first thought wasn't, yo, you see that? Oh, no, you see see me take out that army? Yeah, you ain't seen nothing like that. (laughs) What, what? Yeah. Oh, y'all was talking talking about me as a sheep herder, right? Right? Yeah, look at me now. How you, was it, how you like me now from back in the day? <laughs> how you like me now? Nah, but David didn't roll like that. He said his, his thought with all these victories, with, with, with all these elevations, with being over a kingdom. We ain't talking about the mayor. <laughs> we talking about over a kingdom, over tribes of people, God's people. Lord, keep me away from presumptuous sins, overconfidence. Do we think like that? We ain't even doing nothing close to David and be getting overconfident. <laughs> we get a promotion overconfident. You know what I'm saying? You know, we get a new car, we overconfident in the house. Like, like, like that ain't nothing compared to David. You know, you minister and, and everybody's, uh, oh my God, that's wonderful. Or everybody fell out in the spirit and we like, yeah, yeah, you know, because God, God just be using me. No, David said, keep me from presumptuous sins. Know what he was saying? Hey, keep me from getting so overconfident that I'll walk out out of your protection, out of everything that helped me to keep my faith lenses to be able to operate in what's happening here. To be able to see a giant small. David had to see Goliath small. To be running at him (laughs) with a stone? You, You honestly think he saw what everybody else saw? No, he's looking through different lenses. Listen, it's not giants, but, but one of the things about when you play sports, like playing basketball, as a, I'm, I'm not tall. By no means, I'm not close to tall. But at different levels you go to, you're playing against tall. When you step out on the court, from, from the, the, first, the, the first guy, the guy's playing against me, he's uh, Mark Jackson, I play against him, Mark's like 6'4", 6'5". He ain't short. 
You know, then you got seven-footers, 6'10", this, that, and the other. So how are you out there? You don't see them that big. You don't see that much distance. Like, you don't go, wow, he's tall. Nobody, like, you don't see that. You just see it, your, your angle and opportunity to, 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 to score. You know, I was telling the guy at the gym today, like, for me, I had to see, my, this is my philosophy, who, whoever gets to the square first, and I knew it was going to be me. So God could be 6'10", but... You know, I just know he, he wasn't as agile and as quick-footed. So I'd be like, I used to say jump. But, but, but that was just me pumping myself up. I wasn't really thinking about him. I was just, I knew I had to get there first. And so this is what God wants us to see in our faith fortress. We see things different. So instead of us seeing the adversary bigger than he is, false evidence appear real. Remember in the last days, they're going to say, this is the guy? This is the guy that shook up kingdoms? So that means we were seeing him greater than he is. When we're in the faith fortress, we see him as he is. We don't see him bigger than God. Whatever comes at us, we go, I ain't bigger than God. That's nice. Good try. Or uh, Kenneth Hagin, I've shared this with you before. Kenneth Hagin was in his house. He was sleeping in his house, and he just heard a noise. He woke up, and there was a big demon at the foot of his bed. He looked up. He said, oh, that's just you, and went back to sleep. How many people would have ran out the room? <laughs> but see, he, he had a different, he had faith lenses, a different perception. Right, so, so, so for us to not be devoured, we have to stay undercover. We have to stay within that fortress. Let's, let's go to another fulfill, uh, familiar song. David had this thing down, man. And probably because of his military background, he understood the, the, the high ground. He understood staying within the fortress of protection. Let's look at a Psalm 91. A lot of this is good. Um, I want to start at verse 4, but I, I can't skip verse 1. So we'll, start, we'll go to verse 4, but I'll start at verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Uh, verse 7, it says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. This is only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Behold, thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. I live here. I live in his presence, right? This is verse 10. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Why? Because we're, 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 we're in our faith fortress. God is covering us. The scripture says in Psalm 119, 67, it says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So what it's saying is, my affliction is not just happenstance. I left the presence of God. I left my faith fortress. I got out by myself and put myself in harm's way. Right? How many of us can attest to that? Right? So, so, so again, we want to set boundaries um, to protect, protect ourselves, protect the faith that's within us, protect our ability to see. Um, uh, you could read through this on your own time, but Exodus 19. Uh, nope. Let's go to Exodus 19. There's a note my, on my tablet said, read it. <laughs> so, so let's read it. I'll just get right through it. Exodus 19. <clears throat> so Exodus 19. And we'll start here, verse 6. It says, you sh and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And then uh, starting verse 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words unto the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, this is key, and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And be ready against the third day. And the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight 
of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt, look, set bounds, boundaries, unto the people round about, saying, take heed to yourselves that you go not up unto the mountain or touch the border of it, the boundary. Whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. Right? Does it say that there? And so, so what he told him is, he says, okay, I'm going to show up, but my presence is pretty deep. And so everybody has not been sanctifying themselves to handle my presence. So what I want you to do, let them know I'm coming and let them sanctify themselves to be able to handle my presence. And I want you, once everybody does that, I want them to set boundaries to make sure they keep that, that anointed atmosphere. So when I show up, there's not burdens and yokes that my anointing will destroy. Because the anointing is no respecter of persons, it's just burden. So we're attaching ourselves to burdens and yokes, then we get dest- destroyed uh, along with that which uh, we're getting destroyed along with the burdens and yokes because we're attached to it. I've seen that when people have operated in the service and their heart wasn't right. So they, you know, you know how some people get zealous and they jump in, you know, you know, I got a word or I got a song. And the anointing was so, so, so rich in the atmosphere. After that day, that person lost their, their, their mind. They said things I just never, I, I happened to be behind the scenes. I was around the person. I was like, they, I told my wife, I said, they ain't never been the same since that day they jumped up and, and sang that song. Then I know another person got up and they was exhorting the people and, uh, you know, crying and got right off the stage, went to the bathroom, spit up blood, went to the hospital. Because their heart wasn't right to be around that anointing, right? You know, uh, so, so, so it's, it's important that we, we as we're, we were talking about preparing, uh, challenging ourselves to extend ourselves this, these last six months. And then we've been talking about, um, you know, just being a lot more disciplined. But a part of it is setting boundaries, staying in God's presence. You know, um, as uh, Venetia said last week, you know, not being tempted to be disobedient. Disobedient will break us out, right? And so the way I, way I think about it, when I, even when I read through that passage, being ever ready for his presence. Are we ever ready for his presence? Ever ready for his presence. So let's look here in, in Leviticus 10. In Leviticus 10. I know we're going to be talking about discipline after this teaching on Wednesdays. Uh, me and the guys, we talked about it last week somewhat. Um, uh, I was talking to a guy at the gym. I said, you know, it's uh, there's something in our DNA where we visit discipline. But if we could live in discipline as a lifestyle, just like you notice, none of us decide whether or not we breathe it. We live in it and breathe it. At least I hope we do. We live in eating too, right? And that's what we do. But if we can live in discipline, right? <clears throat> I so <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, so Leviticus 10, 1 through 7. It says, in Nadab and Abihu, <clears throat> excuse me again. I have one. I should use it. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire thereon and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before God, which he commanded them not. Obviously, there was something else in their heart when they're in this atmosphere. At, you know, Aaron's sons was, was, was the people they, they eventually used for priests. All, you know, the, the, the uh, descendants from Aaron, the Levites. In verse 2, it says, and there went out fire from from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord, (laughs) right? They offered the wrong thing in the presence of God. Remember, the burden, the anointing is the burden, removing, yoke, destroying power of God. No respect to a person, even though Aaron was cool with God. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified. So, So Moses is explaining to Aaron. I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. 
and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. <laughs> you know, because Aaron, whoa, 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 these are my, these are my sons. And, but they, you know, again, we, we got to chapter 10, but they were told how to come before the Lord, right? And, and Moses called Mishael and Elazavon, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near, carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. Moses said unto Aaron and to Eliezer, he says, And unto Ithamar, his sons, uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest ye die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, be well the, uh, the burning which the Lord has kindled. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle. You can't leave the faith fortress of the congregation lest ye die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according uh, to the word of Moses. See, so, so, so uh, once again, when we're living in a faith fortress, we just can't be doing everything that we feel like doing. Right? Because some things may be good deeds, but not best for you to do, right? And, and this is a situation where this is mourning here. <laughs> like, like, they weren't even, Aaron wasn't allowed to mourn. <laughs> and he's like, you can't, leave the, you can't leave the tabernacle. You can't leave the presence of God. Because right now, there's a, there's, there's a saturation of the anointing on you, and you can't, it's for it being in the presence of God. You can't go out of the presence of God because something else will happen, right? He said, well, he said, lest you die, right? That's what the scripture said. That's not what Pastor Keith made up, right? He says, I will be sanctified, hallowed is what it says in them that come nigh me. If you come nigh me, right, there's an agreement that has to take place. You have to set yourself apart to come nigh me. You can't bring corruption into me. And I, I think I told the story before of how I didn't get the whole coming through Jesus. You know, he's a son of God. I'm a son of God. Why do I got to go through him? Because of my sin. So I'm praying and, and, and trying to talk to God. God's like, oh, oh, what's all that? Do me a favor, Jesus. Go cleanse that, that whoever that is with your blood and bring them before me. But he can't come before me like that because God is perfect. If we come before him with our sin, he ain't perfect. We've just polluted his atmosphere. That could cost a million people. If God's just 99, 44, 100% perfect, that, that can affect a, a major part of the world. So we have to be sanctified before. All right, I guess I can give you this in a little bit of time. Because this is, this is the reality of even in the culture of priests and high priests. You know, as to the high priest, the demands of God were, were even more exacting for a high priest. He should not go into any dead body, nor should the high priest defile himself, even from his father or for his mother. So whatever the situation is, the priest could not defile himself. The higher the office, the stricter the demand. The degree of nearness to God becomes the degree of his demand, right? The closer you are to God, the more sanctified he requires, of whom to God entrust more, the more he demands, right? God is especially concerned with whether or not his servants have sanctified themselves, right? You can't represent God if you maintain a very liberal and loose communication or manner of living with the people. So the higher the purpose, the greater the separation. That's why God is separated at the highest level because he has the highest purpose, right? He who is in Purpose doesn't try to control purpose. He serves God, is willing to pay the price, and seeks not excitement or sensationalism, though he may, ex may experience an overflow of fulfillment. So the thing is, I just gave you like a breakdown of a high priest of the scripture I talked about earlier. Says, he says, we, we shall be his priests. Scripture says you're a royal priesthood in the holy nation. So let's say God, not let's say this is true. So God Set the members in the body as he pleased them. He designed us for a purpose. But let's say because you're born in sin and shape and iniquity, you're clouded from your purpose. Has the purpose changed? No. Okay. 
let's say you, you're willing to do this part of the purpose, but not the other part, because this is the part you like, but you're not really, you don't want to do the part you don't like. Has the purpose changed? But let's say you're not really recognizing the reality of your purpose and you don't know how you need to prepare yourself and you start going through funkiness and pain. Because what? You're called for a particular purpose so you have to set yourself apart according to that purpose and it doesn't change because it doesn't change because of naivety, it doesn't change because you ain't paying attention, it doesn't change because well, you know, I'm doing better than some other people. It's what God designed for purpose. And in this particular case, in this particular case, very few people are really naive. There are people in denial. But there's very few naive people. Because God is, if God has purposed you to do something, you don't think he revealed it to you? Some of us was out there kicking it and God showed us some stuff. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Well, you blew that off quick. Well, I know I did. You know, like, <laughs> that couldn't have been God. <laughs> you know, it's just like, like not, it wasn't even like a consideration. But some of us, as we started to move towards God, God started telling us stuff. But as soon as we started going through the test trials and the, the stretching, we start running. We like the good part, the shiny part, but we don't like the stretching. You know, just like the athletes like to play, but they don't like to go to school. You know, it's, it's a full package. Like, <laughs> you don't get the scholarship unless you go to class, <laughs> right? And so, so this is the thing. We're talking about faith fortunes. So, so if we can, if we can I, okay, I think God told me some stuff. I'm not sure God told me some stuff. I know I'm supposed to do something. I get this inkling that is more on me and more I'm supposed to do than I realize. But I keep finding things to do to keep me busy, but then, it, then I, I keep coming back to this place. And so what is the hold up here? Let's do it this way. So, so you don't have to really go through all that confusion and, and frustration and, and pain. How about Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All these things will be added unto you. How about we just, everybody just calibrate their lives to kingdom work first. So, so you don't have to guess. I'm going to do kingdom work first, my lenses will be clear, and I'll be a lot more clear on the path that I know I'm supposed to go to, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We could say seek ye first the faith fortress, right? Seek ye first the faith fortress, right? And all these things will be added unto you. Look, look, Psalm 23. We'll be done here in a second. Psalm 23. Because it's, it's, it's like I get it, you know, especially if you're, let's say if you're charismatic, that's a good thing. But if you're not in the presence of God, living in the presence of God, it's, it, it's a terrible thing. Because you can actually make, let's uh, uh, try to think of a word, uh, doo-doo smell good. You charismatic? Man, this ain't, this ain't mess. This is manure. <laughs> Man, this will fertilize your life, bro. Like, you can make anything sound good, right? If you're charismatic. So, that's a, so, so, so or, or, or if everybody just likes you. Well, that's a good thing, but it's a bad thing if you're not in the presence of God. Because you'll start to drink of... Uh, the significance of everybody like me, not this is another opportunity to draw people to God. Everybody liked Herod. You know the guy that got eaten up by the worms from the inside out? <laughs> they liked him so much. They was like, man, you like a God, man. He's like, yeah, I am, ain't I? <laughs> he was gone. See, you see, see, without the proper motivation, we'll get into presumptuous sins quick. Like, if, like, okay, look at your kids. You know, some of y'all that, that are, have kids. Like he's actually looking, literally looking at them. But, but when you watch your kids, do you, do you see how, how they've been handling success? They, they really get into overconfidence, and sometimes they think they're, too, they're smarter than you. 
And more than the fifth grader, they're smarter than, than the fifth grader, the, <laughs> the, the college grad, you know, you know the, the, the supervisor, the job, everybody, right? But, but they're kids, right? So they haven't set boundaries on their thinking yet and their speaking. So their, their, their tendency is to get overconfident or to say, I don't need you, right? But, so they have to mature into those things. But some of us operate just like kids, right? So we want to seek you first this, 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 this kingdom, this faith fortress. But the Bible says this in Luke 17, 21. The kingdom of God is where? Within. The kingdom of God. See, so, yes, we, we uh, uh, type and shadow of things to come. So you saw kingdoms and fortresses and castles and, and uh, huge uh, synagogues and stuff like that as people were growing up in, in you know, through the Old Testament, but that was a type and shadow of things to come. The Old Testament is pointing to that which is perfect. The Bible says when that which is perfect has come, you know, it's, it's going to, um, it'll replace that which is not imperfect. So, so it's not about uh, bricks and stones necessarily now. It's the kingdom of God within. As the Bible says, don't you know you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? It says your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. You know, this is 1 Corinthians 6, 14 through 20. Um, and so, so my wife says something last week. She gave a scripture last week, uh, John 14, 23. And it says, uh, it tells you, it says, they that keep my word. Right? Well, we, we can look at it real quick. I thought it was Perfect. Um, for, for what we were talking about in terms of faith fortress, John 14, 23. It says, uh, Jesus answered said unto him, if, if a man love, love me, right, he will keep my words, and my father will love, love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We will live in him, Right? We will live in them. So, so it's, in the early days, people had to go to a physical fortress, a physical place. In our lifetime, we have to yield ourselves to God. We had to, uh, if you born of water and born of the spirit, we have to yield to being submerged with God. You abide in me and my words abide in you. You can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Right? So we have to yield to a point where that faith forges us within. So now we cannot, we have to stay so sanctified, we can't leave that kingdom of God within. We have to be mindful of the kingdom of God all the time. Right? Uh, Pastor Mal said last week, we can't be contaminating our, our, our temple. Right? Because we are the temple. Right? And so, so Leviticus 20, I will end there. Uh, it talks about um, sanctifying yourself. Uh, we'll just go there. This will be last scripture, I believe. So we've been talking about this faith fortress, and of course we've been talking about staying in the presence of God. But our connection to the presence of God, our connection to uh, the tabernacle, our connection to being all of God, is it starts within. It's us yielding to the God's fullness within ourselves. You know, it's the Holy Spirit coming up on us and submerging us. But, it, but, but we have to totally sanctify, sanctify ourselves from the inside out, right? From the inside out. Uh, it's actually a song called Inside Out that maybe I'll find for you guys later on my playlist. It's not a, it's not a uh, everyday artist. All right, so uh, Leviticus 27 and 8. It says, Sanctify yourselves therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. It says, And you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctifies you. And so remember, he says, when you come before me, you have to come sanctified. And he says, I'm going to be sanctified by anybody that comes near my presence. So what he's saying is, I want to abode in you, but you have to sanctify my temple. Right? So, you, it, so, so again, Old Testament's type shadow of things to come. So what they did in the, uh, in the Old Testament, they was, building the, uh, they was building the temple. It was probably, 
I don't think it was Solomon's house. I think it was the, the Temple of Jerusalem. And so they, 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 God sent them people, they, called, they said they were endowed with understanding, equipped with understanding. So they were so, they saw so clearly, they saw a stone perfect and cut it perfect. Like, like, like when they put together the, the, the temple, they were just putting stuff in place. <laughs> it, was, it was, the precision was like that. It wasn't like, you think this is right? I don't know it's right. No, it wasn't no guessing. It was they saw so clearly how to do everything they needed to do. They just saw it, did it, saw it, did it, saw it, did it. And it was guys that was, uh, uh, they, painted the, the, they painted the temple in gold. No, not gold color. It was actually gold. <laughs> you know, doors of gold. Like, it was just phenomenal, the, the stuff that they did. It says when they finished all the specific specifications, because God gave them a blueprint. When they finished everything to the details that God said, it said that the spirit showed up in the temple. It said that the, the spirit was so strong that the priest couldn't stand the minister. It was that power. But after they, they completed in detail the temple the way God had designed it, the spirit filled up the temple. It was so powerful, the priest couldn't stand the minister. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to be taking care of our temple with that level of detail. And the, the presence of God shows up on us to a point where the priest can't stand the minister. <laughs> the anointing is that thick, right? And so, so we, we, we're all, uh, the scripture says we should be fitly joined together, right? So we're all uh, pieces for this, 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 this temple, this faith fortress, and so when we get in agreement and we sanctify ourselves in agreement, that, that presence comes up out of us, changes the atmosphere. Is uh, uh, one man, a guy tells the story. She was in the church, and the church was, uh, uh, the presence of God was filling the church. But they got reports from the people that were walking by, like, is, is that building about to fall? Because the building was moving. <laughs> it, it was moving. It was rocking, Right? Right, because the presence of God was that thick. There's another man of God who told the story. He was, just drive, he was driving. And when he was driving, he started driving. And he drove by this area, and he was pulled to get off the road. So he gets off the road, and he was pulled again. So he's just following the pull. Pull took him right to a church. When he walks into the church, and he, he shares who he is and why he came. He says, well, I, I'm, the, the man of God was waiting. Was like, I'm glad you made it, man. He said, what are you talking about? He says, well, God showed me in a vision you and what you're going to do. See, again, it's all, it's all connected. Everything is connected. Uh, we go to the hospital. We, we went to the hospital to pray for a young man walking out of the hospital. So some people walking in. So I see a guy that I knew. And I spoke to him, and he spoke to me. I never knew his name. I don't know if he knew my name. He might have probably asked about me. But he was uh, going to this barbershop I was at, so I would always speak to him. Spoke to him all the time. So he's going, I said, so, so what are you here for? He says, uh, well, somebody in a coma, and we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to pray, pray with the family. And so I took a couple steps, and the Holy Spirit said, go. So I said, would you mind if we go with you? And me and my wife. And so he said, sure. Now, so, so we're going. We don't, know, we don't know these people at all. The guy, I don't really, I spoke to him about, to this day, I couldn't tell you his name. And so we go up there, and so the family's in a waiting area, so we go into the waiting area. And so I explain, I, you know me, I like to explain stuff. Ma'am, listen, we don't really want to bother you guys because people are grieving. This person has been in a coma for who knows how long, weeks. And so we says, well, you know, we, we're, we're preachers. We just, if it's okay, we would like to pray with you guys. So we pray with them. I said, so ma'am, if it's okay, would you mind if we went in the room and pray for your son? She was like, sure, sure, no problem. But, you know, you could tell they was kind of really receptive. And it's like, sure, sure, let's go, let's go. So we go in the room, and we start praying. Now, this is what I call the ministry, a cold call. Like, there's no, you ain't got no, no advanced information. Don't nobody know you from Adam. And so we start praying. So, so me and my wife, we grab hands and tell my wife she to lay hands on the guy, and we're praying. 
So as we're praying, the guy jumps and starts making noise. All right? And so now, I'll be transparent. I tell you everything. Jump making noise to me. He, if he don't jump out the bed, that still ain't the results that I was looking for. The mother goes berserk. Oh my God, God is wonderful. This, this, this. Oh my God. I was like, and I'm saying to myself, okay, he did move. It sounded like he said something. I said, but he ain't up yet. But but I wasn't like saying that he was not going to get up because I prayed for somebody. They was in a coma. Um, and I just left the hospital. The eyes start, they started, the eyes start opening up. And by the time we got home, the person was up and out of the coma. So, so, I, so I wasn't thinking that he wasn't coming out. I was just saying he ain't come out yet. And, and so she goes, uh, oh, my God, God is good. And so then she starts telling the story. She says, I know my son's coming out this coma. She says, the reason why I know is because my daughter had a dream uh, some weeks ago, she says, Mom, uh, uh, I don't know God's name. I'm going to say Junior, okay? Junior's coming out the coma in 30 days. God showed me in a dream that a man of God is going to show up that we don't know and is going to pray for Junior, and he's going to come out the coma. She says, this is the 30th day. You're a man of God that we do not know, that we do not know, and you came in this room to pray for him. You can't make that stuff up. You can't make that stuff up. So that's why we have to sanctify ourselves. That's why we're the fortress, <laughs> right? We have to sanctify ourselves and stay in God's presence so God can use us. Um, I'll get the other stuff next week if we'll talk about this next week.